Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, good morning everybody. How are you doing this morning? Oh, that was profoundly average. How are you doing this morning? Ah, oh, that's some good progress last time this side of the room. How are you guys doing this morning? Oh, you're not the competitive type. How are you guys doing this morning? Oh my gosh. Hope Glenn's having better luck. How are you guys doing this morning? Ah, there we go. Some Christians in the room. Hey, so I'm Jared, one of the pastors here. Um, and uh, I'm, the, I'm the young pastor. Well, I was until Mitch and Liz became pastors. Now I'm just the middle-aged pastor. I've just come back from a really fun faith adventure with some incredible people from Thrive, some people from another church in Christchurch, and a whole lot of people from all around the world down the Amazon, which has been a whole lot of fun. Do you know they've got fireflies down the Amazon, which is so cool. At night, you sit on this boat, just cruising along at a glorious 20 k's an hour down the Amazon River with the big dirty diesel engine. And, uh, but the stars there are like out of this world, literally. Um, and think about that for a moment. That's a dad joke, okay? But they are so clear because there's no light pollution. And then in the distance, nearly every night was lightning. So stars right above you, lightning around the rim of the horizon, and then fireflies hovering around you. I honestly felt like I was a princess in a Walt Disney movie. It was magical. And, and what I want to do this morning is I've actually, I've got a word that I'm carrying. And so, you know, I could just share a whole lot of fun stories from the trip, but then you wouldn't need to watch the documentary that we made. Um, so what I want to do this morning, I'm going to share a few stories, but I actually want to try and impart a little bit of what I caught while I was away and then what God built into me in the months that led up to being able to get the breakthrough to being able to go on the trip in the first place. And so if you don't know the story, I'll give you a quick background to the how, when, and the why of going down the Amazon River. So in 2017, I was at the New Life Conference, which is a lot of fun. If you haven't registered, you should come. Shameless plug for it. It is good. Every time I go to New Life Conference, God speaks to me, pretty much without fail. He speaks to me and it brings a, a, a shift in my direction, just changes me by a few degrees, brings me back onto alignment for the next sort of 12 months. And then I like to try and wander off, do my own thing subconsciously. And then he kind of clicks me back into where I'm meant to be. So there's always a time of adjustment for me. Anyway, I was at New Life Conference in 2017 and this guy, Jedediah Thurner, what an American name, was preaching. And he was talking about one nation one day and how they go about into countries and they share the gospel with millions of people. They go in for a week, they do all this aid work and then they build things for schools and they put in wells and they give meals and medication and all these things. And then they pray for all the sick and they do this from like Monday to Saturday, opening up the heart of the country. And they do huge amounts of work with all the leaders and presidents and mayors and everything of the country before they go in. So the whole country, right from the very top of the president to the school teachers, are waiting for them to arrive. And then they serve the country for six days, sharing the gospel, praying for the sick, and doing a whole lot of love and action, practical work. And then on the last day, they do crusades across the whole country and share the gospel with millions of people face to face. 
So he was talking about this and I'm in, I'm in new life and I'm just going, oh my gosh, this sounds awesome. It was just the scale of bigness was just kind of clicking my thinking out a little bit bigger as I was listening to him talk. And then a little bit of a classic, my fashion, I went home, totally forgot all about it and carried on doing things just the way that I was before. And has anyone ever done that? Feel really inspired, but you don't do anything different. You just had warm fuzzies for a week. And so I did that. I had my warm fuzzies for a week and then they faded away. Then in 2018, I went to Planet Shakers. I'm going to get me some more warm fuzzies. And uh, I was there and I had a God dream. And in the dream, God was speaking to me. But it wasn't like God with thunder and lightning. It was actually in the form of a friend of mine who represents the Father heart of God often to me. And in the dream, he said, hey, I know Jedediah. I've got his contact details. I'm going to connect you two together. And I woke up and I knew that it was a God dream. And I hadn't thought about Jedediah for about nine months since I'd heard him preach. And then the next day I'm in Planet Shakers and I turn around and Jedediah is a few rows behind me in worship. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's the guy from the dream. Oh, that's a cute baby. You can't see it at the back, but you should come early and get better seats. And then you can see like these amazing wee things. You're adorable. I don't know who you are, but we should become friends on Facebook. Um, and so anyway, I, I went up and started chatting to him. He wasn't one of the speakers at the conference. He was just visiting it the same as I was. So we got chatting and I said, hey, how can I get around you? There's a bigness that you carry that I'd like to get around there. How can I have whatever it is on your life rub off on my life? And he said, well, you should come down the Amazon. He said, I went down the Amazon and it changed my life. You should go down the Amazon. Come on one of our trips. And so I thought, oh, that would be a lot of fun. And I shared it with Glenn and Deb. And Glenn said, why don't you take a camera? And then, you know, the snowball effect happens. And instead of taking one camera, I wanted to take a whole media team. So I worked out if I took, you know, three or four of us, it would cost about 20000 But then eventually I was like, oh, if I spend 50% more, I could get three times the footage with just a couple extra guys. So it ended up blowing up to about $30,000. And we're going to take this team. Okay. So then click into... The start of this year, I'm on the edge of a faith adventure. But it needs like a large amount of finances for it to work. And the most money I'd raised for a missions trip was to India the year before, which was $3,500. And I felt like this was an unfair like growth step. And, and so I'm wrestling with this tension with God because I need, like, in my mind, a ridiculous amount of money. And why would people give to this and, oh, my gosh, thrive? You've got to know you're in a really generous, really generous church. People from all around the city gave to the vision, but about half the money just came from people at Thrive that God just spoke to them and said, I, I want to invest into this, which is so, so awesome. I love the faith that people carry at Thrive. Honestly, that kid is the cutest. I want another one. My youngest turned five the other day. Oh my gosh, I prophesied triplets. Um, Anyway. See, why couldn't you have been this fun when I started the message? Okay, okay. So I'm like, I need, I need this money. And so I'm at the gym because the gym's often where I go to connect with people, connect with God, okay? And I'm listening to the Lion King in my headphones for some reason. 
And uh, I have on repeat that opening song, you know, with I have no idea what the words mean. Hopefully it's not demonic. And I'm, I've got my headphones on and I'm listening and I'm lifting waves and God starts speaking to me going, how much do you want to go? And I was like, oh God, I really want to go. I really want to go. And he goes, and I just preached a couple of days ago at Thrive about how David ran to meet Goliath. And he just locked in 100% committed and he ran. And I'm lifting these weights and God starts speaking to me. And I'm like the only guy at the gym who's lifting weights whilst praying in tongues and he's tearing up in his eyes going, oh my gosh, I don't know how loud I am right now because there's music so loud and Lion King's been on repeat for half an hour, the same song. And, um, and God goes, hey, why don't you practice what you preach? And I go, oh, what part particularly? He's <laughs> like, you should run and meet the giant. Just lock in. Because the problem that I had was money was coming in, you see. But the way that it was structured is that you'd get these deadlines and they were kind of like non-refundable deadlines. So you'd have to have like 25% of your money in by this date. And then you'd have another two months to get the next 25%. But if you didn't get it, then you just you didn't get that money back. It was just gone. And because it wasn't my money, people were investing. I was like, well, I'll have to pay people back. How am I going to do this? And we're coming up to one of the cutoffs that I thought was coming up and I didn't have enough money. And I felt like I was like, you need to run and meet the giant. And so I'm like, okay, what does that look like? And I just felt relatively clearly like an inconvenient amount of clarity that you felt like you'd be being obviously, try- it was harder to ignore it than accept it. You know, those times when God speaks to you, you're like, dang, I wish that had been a bit more murky. And I felt like he said, you could remortgage your house in faith that the money's going to come in. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> That's a really dumb idea. You talk to anybody that raises money for, for events, especially for media, the number one rule is you never remortgage your house on a media project. It's just like, you don't do that. And I'm like, God, I can't do that. And he's like, are we going to run and meet the giant or not? Like, lock in. I, either, either you lock in and, and it's going to be successful or, or the giant kills you. Like, but like, you know how much you hate not knowing things. Why don't you lock in? And, and, and it wrestled. I had this, this anxiousness around me and I went home and I was going to talk to Rihanna about it. And, and I, just having finance conversations with Rihanna is not helpful. Because I'll say, I feel like God may have said this. And she goes, oh, we should do it then. And I go, but I'm not sure for certain. He goes, yeah, but do you think he said it? I'm like, well, I think he did. Well, then just do it. And so I know that I'm not going to get the response that I want, you know. And we have this conversation and I wrestle with it for about two or three days. And just praying and praying and praying and praying. And in my mind, I'm going, maybe this is like, like the Abraham and Isaac and I'll do it. And then I won't actually have to do it. You know, maybe God's just, and I've got all these thoughts and I'm just, I'm like the Bible says, like a wave tossed about by the wind. What I'm, what I'm hoping for us to catch this morning is the power of agreement. That when we simply agree with what God says, and then our actions fall into place because of what we've agreed in, then we set ourselves up for breakthrough. And so I wrestled with this for a while until I finally just went, you know what, stuff it. Feels like God, sounds like God, most likely is God. He sees my heart, even if I'm wrong, chances are He's gonna back me anyway. 
And I remember talking to Blair about it and go, Blair, this is what I think I need to do. And he was like, oh, you should just go for it. And I'm like, well, that's fine, Blair, because we're not refinancing your house. <laughs> so I was like, so I went, stuff it. I'm just going to go for it. And I remember part of this time with wrestling, I had this picture of God in heaven giving a decree. And he was giving a decree over the provision that I needed for the vision. And I felt like God was saying that when you're going for something, your purpose is not to try and get the provision. Your purpose is to try and move heaven to the point where the Father will issue a decree. And once the decree has been issued, it is now set in stone, it is done. You can't see it yet. The provision hasn't come yet, but that's not your job. Your job is to move heaven to a point where the Father enthroned in grace will issue a decree. And once the decree leaves His lips, then it is done. It has been accomplished. Your job is done. Now all you need to do is agree with the decree that He has spoken. And so I keep coming back to this, this, this picture of going, I feel like God has issued a decree. So I just need to try and agree with it. And, and I love this whole element of faith, specifically around finances, because it's so practical. What I love about finances in a faith journey is that they're just like, you can just see them. Like it's something real that I can wrap my head around. And for me, I find it... Like praying for somebody for deliverance when their eyes are rolled back in their head and they're screaming with a demon. Like I enjoy that because I can see something happening. I've got something for my faith to go around. It's the same with finances. There's something tangible that I can see taking place. By the way, if you don't have a grid work for deliverance and that unsettled you, I'd love to have a conversation with you afterwards because you know it's not always like that. Often it's really sweet and just like instant grace and people get set free. So I, I, I really loved Glenn's message last week. If, if you haven't heard it, please get the podcast. I was just like, I mean, I was just back from the Amazon and this was like the most fun I'd had in ages. So sitting on the front row, like, oh my gosh, get it, Glenn, get it. Because I, I love it when, when preachers preach just black and white. You know, because I'm, I'm a very time efficient type person. I just, I just want it done now. If there's an easy way that does it, it takes a while, or a quick way that's quite harsh, just give me the quick way. You know, I, so I love when I hear black and white preaching. The Bible says that people perish for lack of knowledge. So I'm just like, just give me the knowledge. I don't need it to be wrapped up really nicely. Just tell me the truth so I've got something to build on. And so Glenn was talking a lot about their faith experience and taking steps of obedience. And then he started to camp around specifically what that looks like with money. What does that look like with our finances? He was talking about tithes and offerings, what that looks like to give God 10%. And this is, this is what, I, what I want to kind of draw out from last week going forward into this week, is that money is a currency of earth. But faith is a currency of heaven. So when we are praying, let it be on earth as it is in heaven, what we're actually doing when we pray, we're making a faith exchange. We can't use money to impress God. It doesn't, it doesn't impress Him at all. The Bible doesn't say without money, it's impossible to please God. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But what happens when we give God our money, we make an exchange. The Word of God says to give, give God your tithe, to give Him your first 10%. 
not just 10% in general, but the first 10%. And the purpose of it being the first is that you're making a trust exchange because faith in its purest form is trust. And so what you're doing is going, I'm going to take the first amount of my earthly provision, the first amount of the currency of this realm, and I'm going to give it back to you. And what I'm doing is I'm making a trust exchange. And I'm giving you my 10%, which the Bible says is yours already. I'm returning it to you as an act of trust. And when we make that investment back into God, we begin to develop the trust that we need, which is faith, so that we have a currency to operate in in the heavenly realm. Does that make sense? So without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'd also like to suggest without exercising your faith, it's impossible to grow your faith. See, the faith we have, God gives to us, so we have it inside of us. Now, I had the potential as a young kid to be an incredible athlete, but I am one of the most average athletes there are. I still like to class myself as an athlete, but it's average because I didn't discipline myself for that. I didn't go after that. It can be the same with our faith. And so I love giving because for me, tithes and offerings, they're like the entry point for me of exercising my faith, of exchanging the currency of this realm for a currency of a heavenly realm. So when I got engaged to Rowena, I think I was 21 or 22 at the time. Um, she'd know the exact date. I've got no idea. Um, I said to her, I've got to start tithing. Like We've got to set up my bank accounts. She'd been tithing forever. And I was just kind of like one of those guys that I would give when it occurred to me. When I was about 17, I got asked to do an offering message at Thrive. And so I worked out how much money I probably owed God off the 10%, got $450 out, put it in the offering so I could share a word without being a total hypocrite. And then I told everybody that I did that just to make sure I wasn't being a hypocrite. And so I was like, I was getting married. So I was like, I've got to start tithing because I'm about to become an adult. And I'm going to have adult-like problems. So I don't want childlike strength. I need an adult strength. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought as a child and I reasoned a child, but now I'm a man. I put away my childish things and now I think like a man. The challenge that we have with faith is to exercise faith well and to agree with the Word of God. We have to have the actions of a man or woman with the faith of a child which simply says this, because God said it, I'm going to agree with it. And because I agree with it, I'm going to do it. And because I'm doing it, I'm expecting the fruit of God to come. And I understand when Glenn was speaking this the other day, he was saying, you know, he, he felt quite hesitant to be so blunt about finances because, you know, in the world, there's a stigma around churches and money. People often think the churches just want your money. I was in the fish and chip shop the other day and it was a Sunday. And so I said, how's your day going? They go, good, how's yours? I go, it's great. I've just come from church. I loved it. And they go, oh, do you give money in that church? I went, well, yes, I do. And they're like, why would you do that? And I, I find this stigma quite fascinating. And I, don't never, I don't think I've ever met anybody at Thrive carrying this. So I feel quite free in saying this. But people think, you know, well, leaders, they just want your money. I find that kind of offensive, not because they say they just want your money, because I'm like, don't restrict my ambition. I don't want just people's money. I want all of their time and all of their talents as well. <laughs> and that's true. But I don't want it for the church. I want it for the cause of Christ. 
Because the purpose of the church is not to build the church. The purpose of the church is to be used by God to extend the kingdom of God, which is love, peace, and joy. So when people say, oh, you just want the money. I go, I don't want the money. I'm just trying to help convert people's wallets so that their hearts can follow and open up a realm of breakthrough where they have a currency of faith that they can use so that when they come into the calling of God, they actually have some faith to spend to receive what God had for them. So I went on this trip. Money came in. I freaked out, calmed down, freaked out, calmed down, freaked out, got a conviction, freaked out a little less. Went on this trip. And we went a couple days early so that we could interview Jedediah before getting on the boat because Jedediah wasn't going to be on the boat. He's preaching in one of the main crusades. And we're interviewing Jedediah. Now, my background before pastoring was media. And so I've been in, I have no idea how many interviews I've done with people. I've worked on over a hundred different television shows. And I'm in this interview. And within about the first five minutes of this interview, I'm realizing this is the most dynamic and powerful interview I've ever been in my life. And towards the end of it, the guy I'm interviewing is choking back his tears as he's talking about the radical love of God. My brother and I are doing our best to stay composed and unbeknown to me because all the lights that are around us, the crew have totally lost it and they're all silently crying behind their cameras. And during the interview, Jedediah was talking about how he saw someone raised to life and how God touched his heart. And then he went on to, you know, the next day he was preaching to 30,000 people and all these different things and how all the miracles and everything that he's seen happen. And I said, well, tell me, tell me, Jedediah, like I'm going on this trip and I want to see people healed. I want to see people healed. How, How do I have faith for that? Because it irritates me when people say, well, that guy's got faith for finances, so that's his grace lane. But I'm like, well, no, I don't see that in the Bible. I just see that people have faith. And so it's like saying, well, that boxer's a really good boxer. He can punch that person, but he, he, he can't punch that. I'm like, no, like if he can punch, he can punch. So I'm like, if I've got faith for finances, then I, I just have faith. And I don't have it for finances, but I have faith from God. So how can I see people healed? And he said, well, this is... He says, this is what I want you to know. He says, God and Satan both have this one thing in common. They are both looking for the exact same thing from people. All they're looking for is agreement. See, Satan comes around people and and brings his lies and his accusations and his restrictions. And he is looking for people that will hear his whisper and agree with it and live their life based on what they've heard. And God is speaking love, life and hope and faith around people. And He's looking for somebody that will hear what He says, simply agree with it and live His life out of that agreement. He says, what what the challenge is, is that as Christians, we hear God speak. And then as an adult, we try to rationalise what He said through a filter of what is actually possible. And we begin to reason if this is what he said, then maybe this is how he could do it. And maybe it could fit like this and this and this and this. He says, none of that stuff is your responsibility. Your only responsibility is to simply agree. And God is just looking for people that will take a hold of this power of agreement and go, because you have said it, I agree. 
Now, this is why I love, like I said, like I love it when people preach black and white. I love the Bible because my Bible is literally black and white, black text on white pages. And I love it because I just, I don't have to use my brain. You know, as an adult, you're using your brain all the time. You're trying to figure out why is this kid doing this and why is that kid happy and this kid's this and how am I going to, like you're just always having to use your brain as an adult. I never used my brain as a kid. Like, Honestly, I got a Christmas card from the St. John's Ambulance Service one year. I was like the frequent driver miles with those guys. Like Glenn, when I was in his youth group, used to tell me, Jared, just engage brain, then open your mouth. So I was like, now you're an adult, you've got to use your brain all the time. But when you read the Bible, you can actually just agree with it. When it says tithe and give me your first 10%, make the trust exchange with me and see that I won't open the floodgates of heaven over your life, then you can just agree when it says pray for the sick. You go, okay, I'm just going to agree. But what does it actually look like? See, I believe that, that trust is a two-way street. You know, we go, okay, God, I, I trust you. And so therefore my actions are going to start to look like the fact that I trust you. And as we begin to do that, and we begin to do things based out of our faith expectation, based out of our agreement, I believe it's like we begin to build this highway between us and the Father. And we begin to go, you know what, this is because I do this, I do this because I believe you. And it's a two-way street because the Bible says that if you're faithful with the little things, He'll give you more. And then He goes, well, you know what, I can see this person is stewarding the faith and call that I've given them, now I can trust this person with increase. And so we begin to build this two-way street where we are obedient. Obedience, the Bible says, is better than sacrifice. And it opens up more of a highway for blessing and potential to flow into our life because we actually have got a structure for it to flow through. So we met this guy on the boat called Jason. And Jason wasn't Anybody famous, nobody knew him on the boat before he got on the boat. He was this guy in his mid-40s who just loved praying for people for healing. And he was telling us that he started getting excited about God healing people. So he would start praying for people in America. He's an American guy on the streets, praying for the homeless, praying for people in the malls because he just believed that God was going to use them for healing. And he said that over the first six months of doing this regularly, in six months, he never saw anybody healed. And he prayed for about 200 people and never saw any of them healed. And so he's going through that continual disappointment of putting himself out there, going up to strangers in the mall who've got a limp, got a sore back, going, hey, can I pray for you? I believe Jesus wants to heal you. Around 200 people over six months and nobody gets healed. But I believe what, what he's doing, he's going, well, God said to lay my hands on the sick and he'd heal them. So either I can agree with what I'm seeing directly in front of me or I can keep agreeing with what he said is true. Now, he's seeing people healed all the time. I was like, well, why did it take six months? Why did you fail? Not that that's failing, that's incredible success. But why did you not get the results you were looking for? He goes, I don't know. I said, I have no idea. But he says, what I do know, which is really interesting, is people come up to me now all the time that I prayed for in that six-month period saying, do you recognize me? I go, no. He goes, you prayed for me and nothing happened. The moment you walked away, I got instantly healed. Wow. 
Like, what is that? I have no idea. Is that God just going like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? So we, we joined him. And I'll finish with this story in, in this village and following Jason around, asking people if we could pray for them. And the person goes, no, 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 no. And over there, the Peruvian people in the villages, kind of area we're going, they reckon the life expectancy is around 40 to 50 years. And there's so much sickness and so little, just kind of joy. And so people weren't really like, you'd pray for people and they wouldn't smile or, or anything like that. And so we're going after the people. No one wants us to pray for them. And we get to this group, about five or six guys. We've got the interpreter there and Jason says, hey, can I pray for anyone? Anyone got sickness? Anyone got any pain at all? And they'll go, no, 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 no. And then this policeman says, I do, I've got a bad back. So Jason goes, sweet, I'm gonna pray for you. Prays for the guy, tests his back out a little bit, goes, oh, it's a little bit better. Prays for him again. And the policeman's face just lights right up. There's First time I'd seen someone smile in days. And he's just like, oh, it's healed. Then all the other guys that said they had no pain, they're instantly up and they're pointing to their shoulders, they're pointing to their leg. You know, they're just like, these guys have got pain everywhere. He just goes along, 30 seconds for each of them, real simple, just prays for them. And they get healed. You know, we can, we can try to spiritualize so many different things and try to rationalize and reason this, that, and why, why we don't see something, why we are seeing something. And ultimately, I don't have answers for those questions. But what I feel like over this period of time that I'm learning and trying to grow in is the simplicity that my dad is good and my job is to simply agree with what he says. And if I can agree with Him, then my actions should look different. If your actions don't look like you agree with Him, then maybe you just aren't in agreement. And a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. And so the real simple thing that I want to bring this morning is what area in each of our lives at the moment is our incredibly good, gracious Father speaking promises over that we would turn a deaf ear to the accusations of the devil that are endless and turn our ears to the radical love of the Father going, you know what, God, speak to me again. I want to agree. Just give me one thing to agree with because all progress is progress. Just give me one thing, God. Give me one thing. What is one thing that you're saying over my marriage? What is one thing that you're saying over my kids? What is one thing that you're saying over my finances? What is one thing? And I will agree with you. And I will stand in agreement and I won't waver in unbelief. I don't believe that standing in agreement means that you never feel freaked out. It means that regardless of how you're feeling, in those moments, your actions 100% reflect the fact that you agree with what God said. And so I would not make decisions when I would feel fearful. I'd go, I can't. I won't talk about it and I won't make any decisions. I will pray and I will seek His face and shake off these lies and these thoughts until I can reposition 
myself in faith again. And from that position, I'll be able to hear clearly and make the next decision. I believe that we're a really powerful church. But I really believe that the ceiling that we're at at the moment is a very fragile glass ceiling. It can be so easily broken. It can be so easily broken. Intimidation will try and tell you that you're capped and this is where you're at, so don't bother trying to grow anymore. The Father will tell you, man, the view is beautiful up here. It's beautiful. Why don't we make a faith exchange? Why don't you agree with me afresh? What I'd like to do right now is, is everybody could just stand. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What I want to do is Mitch is just going to play here and it's all nice and things like that. If you know that you're in a space at the moment where you just want to agree with God again, you just want to agree, then I just want to open up the front for you just to come in and just stand in His presence and people will just come pray for you. And we're just going to come and say, you know what, you're amazing. You're amazing. This is, this is what I love. One of the things I love most about God. The Bible says that He restores the years the locusts have stolen. So it does not matter to Him who is outside of time how many things we have lost and allowed to be robbed from us because we listened to the wrong voice. All that thought line does, that's just a trick from the devil to make you feel condemned. The Bible says, man, God goes, I, just, I don't care. I'm outside of time. I can do whatever I want. I can take a prisoner from the slums and make him a prince of the world like Joseph in a heartbeat. And so it does not matter if you have disqualified yourself because the Father qualifies those that He calls. And His opinion of you matters far more than your opinion of yourself. But this morning, why don't we lay down our thoughts and pick up the truths that God is saying over us and agree with Him some more over what He has for us. If that just sounds like you, then I just want to open up the front. Would you just come now and we'd love to pray with you and and believe for God's best for you. That'd be awesome. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 